Hello and welcome to the second episode of the Franco Observer. I am your host, Jason Rudy, and uh, this week on the Franco Observer, yes I said this week because I am going to be attempting to make this a weekly episode. Got uh, some nice reviews on the first episode, so we're going to go ahead and see uh, how long I can do this. Also, um, I think that Eric Whitwell will be a co-host for the time being. Um, I will also do episodes with other people occasionally and also do some episodes long distance with friends in Southern California and Florida and other places if I can arrange that through watching the movies um, online and Zoom capabilities. So we'll see how that goes. So anyways, uh, this is episode two of the Franco Observer, and uh, this week, in this episode, we tackle the film Voodoo Passion, which was the uh, UA, the uh, <clears throat> excuse me, the US and the UK uh, DVD title when it played over here. Um, in the review, Eric and I talk about the dates and everything of it, but uh, yeah, basically. Um, this is one of the many films he made with Erwin C. Dietrich, who's a producer and a script writer on this one. Um, the films he did for the producer Dietrich um, were very heavy on nudity and very baseline pornography, which this one was. A lot of extreme close-ups of female genitalia and of... Um, a lot of nudity in this film, basically from start to finish. So, extreme departure from last week. Um, we went over the titles. This was released under many titles um, from Germany, France, Paris, Madrid, uh, United States, Switzerland, all, all over it played. Um, looks like it, it uh, didn't really play here in the United States theatrically. Um, Started Germany, then Switzerland, then Zurich, France, Paris, Rome, Madrid, Seville, uh, Barcelona, Turin. Yeah, so that's basically where it played. It didn't play theatrically over here, just later on on DVD. Um, yeah, no, it, it, uh, it's visually a really awesome film. Um, mostly day, a lot of daylight scenes, very few night scenes, uh, a couple toward the end. Um, but yeah, I think it's extreme daylight. Um, once again, uh, Jess Franco is the director of this producer is, uh, Erwin C. Dietrich. Um, he's also billed as Manfred Greger as the script writer. Um, director of photography is Andrea Drummer. Walter Baumgartner is production manager. Um, also Jess Franco was uncredited on the script, which of course, um, so the cast in this, uh, Vicki Adams is actually got top billing and this was, I guess her first maybe and only film. She's very phonogenic, very striking, um, has a thousand yard stare, uh, is extremely beautiful woman. Anyway, so yeah, she's, uh, she's top billed in this as Ennis, Jack's housekeeper, Adia Taylor, who I believe is almost a stand in for, um. Lena Romay, uh, Audrey Taylor, she plays Susan House, 
Karine Gambier plays Olga. She's really fun in this. Uh, she, she plays Jack's quote-unquote sister. She's uh, probably the most crazy and free-spirited one in the bunch, which is good. The three of the these three women have ex- extremely different personalities from each other, so it all works for the three. Uh, Jack Taylor's in this. He plays Jack House, also known as Patrick Forrester, counsel of the British Embassy. This one, Jack Taylor has no mustache. Uh, his kissing scenes are a real hoot. Uh, there's two of them, and he is like the worst on-screen kiss you'll probably ever see. He like, just opens his mouth as wide as he can and just like goes in and out. It's really funny. Oh, yeah, here we go. Vitor Mendez as Victor Mendez. He plays Dr. Pierre Barre, a psychiatrist. He's an extremely um, heavyset man, and uh, he's in quite a few Franco films. The ones I've seen so far that I've seen him in is uh, Christine, Princess of Eroticism, also known as Virgin Among the Living Dead. Uh, he's also in uh, Slaves, and he's in this, and he was in Virgin Report, and uh, that's what I've seen so far. I'm sure he's in more. But uh, yeah, he's once you see him, you'll recognize him. Um, uh, Adia Guevara plays Ida, Jack's secretary. She's a small role. Uh, Lifere Marine Hawkins, Jack's dinner guest. Oh yeah, that's the lady at the end. And uh, oh, they don't have the billing for the man that plays her boyfriend, um, who actually kind of resembles Harry Nilsson. He's got this. But, yeah, her and that guy are, like, a really extreme 70s couple. When you see them, it definitely uh, dates this film. Um, So, basically, the synopsis of this film is um, Susan arrives in Haiti to live with her husband, Jack, a British diplomat posted on the island. At the quayside, she is greeted by Ennis, the housekeeper, who takes her to Jack's splendid home. There she meets Ida, Jack's secretary, and the provocative Olga, a nymphomaniac platinum blonde, introduced to her as Jack's sister. Jack himself seems pleasant, but slightly detached. At the British Council, he introduces Susan to Dr. Pierre Barre, a psychiatrist. Susan begins to have nightmares about voodoo ceremonies and murder. But what, but are they only dreams, or is something more sinister and deadly at work? Susan finds herself repeatedly drawn to force clearing at night where Ennis makes love to her and seduces her into voodoo ceremonies with a group of local Haitians. Forces beyond her comprehension drive Susan to kill people associated with Jack. First, Mr. Randier, a French diplomat, and then a young couple planning to move to Haiti, Mr. Hawkins and his wife Miriam. But who can she trust? What role does Ennis, Olga, and Ida play in her plight? Is her husband really plotting against her? But yeah, so basically, like I had talked about in the review with Eric, that uh, this film is basically has the uh, twin themes of mind control and sexual betrayal. Uh, mind control was a uh, mind control, and having somebody under mind control to kill somebody else is a plot device that Franco uses in a lot of his films. That started all the way back with uh, Diabolical Doctor Z. Um, and also, um, he uses the, uh, mind control too in all the vampire films where they hear a voice in their head and they're tempted and they're, uh, compelled to do what the voice and everything commands them to do. Um, 
but yeah, so you see that a lot through here. Um, everything. And so he filmed, um, one thing that I was confused about was some of the filming and the locations. Um, it says Switzerland and, and where they were filmed, but also, uh, the Sintra region of Portugal is used for the main exteriors. Um, so that was there. Cause like I was saying before, there's scenes where they're driving down the street and, and it looked like stock footage. And, uh, it's like the only real scene. Well, no, actually it's quite a bit, but it's supposed to pass for Haiti, uh, but it's obviously not. But what was cool reading it more into this, um, reading more into flowers of perversion volume two, the delirious cinema of Jess of Jesus Franco volume two by Stephen thrower, which these are like volume one and volume two are the main source books for this, uh, podcast along with commentaries and, uh, internet stories. Basically the how the interiors of the film, um, were filmed at the, uh, Palacio Conde Castro Grameris and, Okay, I'm just murdering this language. And partially on set at uh, Dietrich Zurich Studios, including Susan's room, the distinctive blue bathroom, the Hawkins bedroom, and the dining room. So, which is kind of a shame because I thought that was a real house. The The bathroom is, like, so amazing. All the gaudy statues and the decor and everything is really amazing in that uh, bathroom and the bedroom with all the mirrors all around and everything. So, yeah, that was basically filmed on uh, Dietrich's studio. Um which is good because that's why he had such a good production value and controlled cost because it was his studio. Um, so yeah, that, that's basically about that. Uh, basically, the French theatrical release um, played for a two-week run in Paris beginning on March 14th of 1979. For the first week, it played in three cinemas. Uh, for the second, it played in two cinemas. And uh, with occasional revivals in the years to come, including one booking at the Picks in as late as May 83. And the last thing that he writes is connections. As noted, the plot recycles the hypno-assassin theme from Diabolical Dr. Z and other films. Um, also, too, starting with this episode, I'm going to include um, the Amazon reviews, the like Amazon customer reviews. Because if you go and look up like certain films and certain items, you can always scroll down and read the reviews. Well, um, they're always... For his films and other films that have a lot of nudity and such, um, the reviews are very hilarious and very odd, and uh, I've always liked those. And a podcast that I've been listening to for, so actually since it started, um, Between the Sheets, they like to read the reviews, and it kind of, I got the idea from that, listening to that, them talk about the Jess Franco reviews they're reading and some of the guys are just so off the wall and uh unhinged so yeah i'm going to be including uh reviews custom reviews of amazon um starting with this episode so uh that's going to follow the uh follow this segment there's going to be a little bumper music and then the um amazon reviews and then um the main film review all right so um Thank you very much for listening to this part. Uh, hope you enjoyed Franco Observer so far. Um, this is episode two. Um, oh, yeah, and also, too, a little quick update. I just bought my 78th Jess Franco film, um, and it's a German import, region ABC, because I'm starting to run out of his films to buy, legitimately. 
um, and that's Wicked Women. I finally got that, which was actually filmed right after this movie that we watched this week, Voodoo Passion. It was the one he did right after that, I believe. Um, let's see. Do, 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 do. Yeah, I believe it's the one he did right after that. Yeah, yeah. So uh, that'd be kind of cool, good timing to watch that. Um, and then I got uh, about three or four other ones that I got to start getting. And then after that, it's going to start getting really rare to find stuff because everything else is obscure or not not in print or hasn't been out or is crazy expensive. Like I still got to get The Devil Comes from Askavana, but that's like 60 bucks on an out-of-print DVD and the film's not the greatest, so I'm going to wait on that. But All right, so anyways, uh, that's that. Uh, like I said, listen into the next part, next segment. We're going to go into the uh, Amazon customer reviews and then into the main segment with myself and Eric, and then that's it. And listen again. We'll come back for episode three. Hello, and uh, this is the top reviews from the United States uh, Amazon review section of the episode. Um, on this week's episode for Voodoo Passion, um, going through the reviews, going to read some of the funnier ones. Uh, this first one's actually a pretty straight-up review, so I'm going to go ahead and skip that. Uh, the second one is uh, by a verified purchaser. His name's Mike. He says, I'll give it four stars for the skin. Uh, above average B-movie with no shortage of full frontal TNA, if that's your thing. Some of the sex scenes were l- were likely unsimulated. Were likely unsimulated. So he's saying they're real. I don't think so. Uh, I bet there is an unedited version of this out there somewhere. I've seen better. I've seen worse. But this is worth a watch. Originally shot in German, titled The Ruf der Blondkotten, Call of the Blonde Goddess. The English dubbing was well done. Yeah, actually, you know, uh, it's very true. Uh, I was kind of goofing on the English dubbing at first because it sounds kind of like this right here, hollow, where there's no ambient sound around or anything. But uh, other than that, the actors they had doing the voice dubbings kind of matched the personalities and such, so it actually wasn't bad. Uh, second one here by Bobo. <clears throat> Pretty much there was a naked woman on the screen. My dating years were in the early 70s, the era of drive-in theaters and B-movies. So-so acting, so-so story, and lots of nudity. This movie is the flagship of the genre. Pretty much there is a naked woman on the screen the entire movie with a lush growth of grass in the front yard metaphor. No shit. If this is your kind of movie, then you will be very satisfied. Um... This one says, Great Franco Film by Andante from 2018. Compared to other films in the genre, I give it five stars. The acting is above average, and the plot is suspenseful and moves at a reasonable pace. There is both female and male full frontal nudity, if that is what you want. The voodoo is well performed and blended into the plot. Wow. This is vintage Franco. If you like his style, you will enjoy watching this one. Thumbs up. Uh, people are actually owning it. Good reviews. Uh, this was one of Franco's best. Okay. I bought this movie because I like these types of movies. Well, okay. That's interesting. Uh, 
Let's see, there was one that I was laughing about that I wanted to find that was pretty much funny that me and Eric was laughing about. Uh, let's see. It was... Well, this guy goes, Didn't know they made movies like this. Another person goes, Great movie from those of us who love to... who love to fla- flash back to our old drive-in movie days. Huh. There was one, uh... Wow. Story is well-structured, but I hate violence and stabbing incidents. Well, that's interesting. Um, but yeah, one guy was talking about how it wasn't, uh... I don't know, see it on here. But anyway, there's one guy who said that he, he didn't think it was very... That, that it didn't show enough. And, like, there was, like, just zoom-ins on, like, genitalia. So we're like, if that's not, like, close enough for you, I don't know what the fuck it is, so... Or anyway, so that was the uh, Amazon reviews portion of the show. Sometimes it's good, sometimes it's not. This was so-so. Like the guy said, so-so movie, so-so acting. So-so. So that's the word for this episode. So-so. So hopefully you don't think this episode is so-so. So-so. Here we go. Listen to the film review segment. Thank you. Hello and welcome to the second episode of the Franco Observer uh, I am your host, Jason Rudy, and I am here with my co-host, Eric Whitwell. Hey! Um, tonight we watched uh, Voodoo Passion, which was uh, by, of course, Jess Franco. Um, it was shot in mid-77 and released in December 77, so like probably like a four-month turnaround, which is pretty impressive. Um it was one of the uh, Irwin C. Dietrich films. Um, in the notes before the film, when I do the research, I'll let you know how many films he did with uh, Dietrich. But off the top of my head, I would guess like 12 to 15 films, something like that. One of the producers that he worked with. Um, before we go into the film, I just want to give some quick things. Um, it was also, Voodoo Passion is also called, had many titles. Um, it's called Call of the Blonde Goddess, um, or Love Call of the Blonde Goddess. In Italy, it was known as Porno Shock. When it was reissued again in Italy, it was known as Porno Deep Throat. Um, it was also known as Vengeance of the Blonde Goddess and the Nude Goddess. Um, with this film, the uh, two themes that were really apparent that were in that you'll see as you watch his films he has a lot of recurring themes and this was the uh, mind control and sexual betrayal common themes in his films um, there's uh, a lot of topless dance scenes and such in this but um, so yeah before we go into it uh, I always like to ask Eric first Eric what did you think of the movie I thought it was good it was a uh, it was very interesting um Yeah, it was. No, it, it it was good. It was. Uh, I'm still trying to wrap my head around it a little bit. Um, I thought it was pretty creative in the in some of the the shots that he the way he shot certain aspects of it, um, the dream sequences. Uh, where you weren't quite sure when you're watching it what you're watching is it a dream? Is this real? Is it, yeah. you know. Um, 
but yeah, no, I thought it was really entertaining. It was, it was very well done. Um, yeah. <laughs> yeah. It seems like, um, one thing with this choosing this film to show for this episode, uh, since the first one I showed Eric was basically a PG type film. I, I went through my collection and I said, okay, well, I want to watch some I haven't seen before. I want to watch, um, that had a lot of nudity in it because Eric had no nudity in the last film. <laughs> so of course in this film, straight from the opening shot to about the end, cause there's like a bath scene, which does make sense in the context of the film. I won't spoil it, but the bath scene at the end does make sense. But it's funny because we were laughing and Eric had mentioned, he goes, I wonder how much screen time in total that there's no nudity in the film. And we said, okay, well, first shot of the film, there's like these naked gals dancing on the beach, doing a dance of the island or something. There's about six of the seven are topless in that. Then the only, there's a scene after that where the people get off the boat and everything, and there's no nudity in that. And there's a car ride scene after that. But then right after that, they go into the guy's house. So, so basically it's about this woman who meets this man named Jack and she, decides to join him on in her new life. And I don't know if she's married to him or if she's just dating him, but she shows up to this place, this island where he lives in Haiti. And as she uh, gets to know him and getting to his house and lifestyle, all these things that she thinks are one thing are actually another thing going on. And as you learn that she's either manipulated through voodoo or through him or through some other unseen forces... But um, as you go through and see, there's just so. So anyway, so she goes into the home, and then you see Jack's quote unquote sister naked in the bed. So she's naked, and then those two decide to take a bath together, and then she has sex with Jack while the sister masturbates to it. Then you have the neighbors that come in, and the housekeeper's naked, and they go to all these dance club where there's naked women dancing with the bands playing there's like full naked women in a dance club while the guys are playing guitar and drums it's really cool it's like wow i've never seen a dance club like that um you see uh naked people dancing outside in rituals you see uh uh threesome um you see the the uh housekeeper naked with the wife you see uh the another couple come in. He's like everybody's naked, and Jack Taylor's in it. <laughs> and Jack Taylor is in this, and Eric and me had both laughed because he is the worst screen kisser of all time. Um, I'm gonna have Eric tell you about what he thought of his kissing. Yeah, I don't know how to how to take that. Um. <laughs> <laughs> so how did Phil Eric? Yeah, so how'd you take his kissing? Um, it was really weird. It was like a uh, like a slow motion fish. Like coming to eat food, uh, it, it's hard to describe. It was like literally like his mouth was open from the moment he thought about kissing her, and as he like slowly lowers his head towards her mouth, it's open like he's going to bite her jaw. Yeah, it, it was very strange, very stiff, very, very, very strange, very, very strange. Um, yeah, it had basically any. He didn't even like uh, discriminate. There was. Male nudity, female nudity, whatever kind of nudity you're into. Like, it, there was nudity. Um, it was absolutely incredible. 
lots of close-ups of uh, nude women. Uh, yeah, lots of – like, it was weird. Like, there's, like, it was, like, almost like – like, there was no point to the nudity at times. Like, you know, there was uh, one scene where they're, they're speaking, and while they're talking, you hear the conversation happen. The camera pans down, and it just is focused on the nipple. Like, while there's – you can hear them talking in the background, but the camera is directly on a nipple. There's a nipple in the middle of the screen. And it's just – it's hilarious because it was like uh, – like there was almost like no – it wasn't, wasn't any point to it. You know, it was it was literally just gratuitous nudity. So it was kind of funny, man. It was almost uh, – you almost kind of became a little bit desensitized to it. You know what I mean? It's almost like, okay, it's like it's like being at a European beach, you know, where you're like, oh, okay, well, now it's, it's just kind of normal now. You know, it's just everyone – like they ran around naked the entire movie. It was insane. I, I feel like I'm uh, – fixated on the nudity of this movie <laughs> yeah we were talking about that i was like you know people have criticized me before or uncriticized discussed about how much nudity i use in my films i was like dude you need to watch some just franco films because like <laughs> you know shit dude like we were talking about like the girl that plays jack taylor's sister she has like three different bathing scenes in the film like three bathtub long bathtub scenes like full nudity and just franco who I admire for this too is like loves to show women in great detail. And he really does photograph and shoot women really great, beautiful heels. There's one scene where these two are talking and he starts on her foot and goes all the way up her leg and connects to her, up to, up to her leg, up to her hip, and then across the other lady's arm over to her shoulder and then back to her face when she's talking. It was a really good shot, but, but you see like every inch of her body and, and he really loves to like show women in great detail and, and stuff. But, um, too. Another thing that he does in this film, which is a couple of detriments, um, he's out of focus in quite a few scenes, and you don't know if it's because of the dream sequence. But there's scenes where he's out of focus when Jack Taylor and his and and the woman are talking to each other, so there'd be no reason for that scene to be out of focus. So, and a couple of the scenes that were shot together of conversations that he probably shot in sequence, or I mean, shot these scenes and shot these scenes out of sequence together in one setting, though that whole lot is out of focus. And then <clears throat> he uses a different, uh, um, a different lens cap or a, a, he uses a filter on his camera that you can see in a couple of these exterior shots outside where you see the edge of the filter where he, he should have zoomed in past the 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 edge of the filter, so he didn't zoom forward. He just kept a steady shot, and you could see the edge of the lens of the filter cap. That's what it was that you could see, and it's really apparent. A couple of scenes, it's like I don't know him or the editor should have seen that and taken that out and reshot the fucking focus shots because it's I don't know it's very distracting and it shows poor. Uh, craftsmanship when he's great in a lot of other areas um, the settings are amazing in this film again yeah. he has great fucking the main house there's like mirrors in the bedroom there's like five or six mirrors together on all the walls so the mirrors reflect on each other so when the two people are in bed it looks like there's 20 people in that same shot and then in the bathtub and the mirror there's mirrors all around it reflecting other mirrors and it's really amazing and, and like a lot of his films he has amazing one or two main locations that are just awesome um all the, this film was supposed to be in haiti but it was filmed in switzerland um which is amazing because looking at the, the places and the streets and such is pretty good but if you will look close 
you could see that there's stock footage he took of somewhere else that edited through the driving sequences of like another it looked older and it was like uh everybody in the shot was black and like they were the only two white people and the shots was some other location of people just packed together in the streets and basically they were driving around in in reality they were driving probably like up the street and around the block and back around to film these sequences because you see uh, blue building and a few other buildings twice in the same shot sequence so um yeah that just from a technical standpoint that that kind of came off bad but uh but yeah that 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 was pretty pretty crazy on that end um um so that came through but yeah it was it was filmed in switzerland but from that the 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 uh outdoor footage the some of the scenes he shot and stuff was pretty amazing for being in that area. It really blew us away as I looked to find out where it was filmed. That was, that was pretty interesting. Um, um, this is one of the first films I've ever seen where somebody, um, has an extended masturbation sequence and they use a pan flute, which <laughs> is, is kind of interesting because, uh, I don't know. It, it's, uh, usually you hear like a, like a seventies bass guitar like a wah wah or, or some kind of a saxophone, but uh, yeah, when the sister and you hear the pan flute, and then it cuts when she uses the champagne bottle, and it turns into a saxophone sound, and that was kind of interesting. Um, the music was really good in here, though. What did you think of the music and the sound effects and everything in this film? Yeah, I thought the the music was it was good. It was good, but it was it was interesting how it went from pan flute. To uh, saxophone, to pan flute, to saxophone, um, and then you would have like a it had some cool jazz actually. Yeah. Uh, like towards the end, it had some really cool jazz uh, sounds, and and back the music was really good. Um, yeah, it was a, uh, <laughs> and I also also had that kind of like a like a futuristic kind of like uh, towards the end too. And that was like the only yeah. scene in which it had that kind of a kind style. Of like control sequences or whatever, yeah. Yeah, like the keyboard type music. And yeah yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. It was, yeah. You know, there was a lot of aspects to it that were really interesting that didn't quite necessarily fit, but then they did fit just because they were so strange. You know, like even like just when we were just talking about the pan flute to saxophone. Yeah. You know, like it, um, like that was two very different sounding instruments, and but it, it worked. Uh, the the when you're talking about the the blurriness, I thought it was really cool. Um, at first, I was like, "Wow, that's I like I love that effect. I love I love that he's doing that effect." And then you start to realize, like, I don't know if he's actually doing that effect. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. you know, like it's a like, yeah. Like we're talking about the the a dream sequence. How that that seems out of focus, but then the sequences where they're having dialogue with doesn't seem like it's supposed to be but i will say this scene had fucking one of the my favorite franco shots i've ever seen is uh in the out of focus shot was when the ennis the housekeeper and jack were like putting her under mind control and and you see the light in her eyeball and then franco zoom or slow panned in on that and they made it into a triple effect and that's just a camera trick of catching it at a certain angle and reflecting the light onto itself onto her eye and capturing that and and that looked fucking amazing it was just a simple in-camera trick but that looked so like beautiful and just a really fucking high quality artistic shot that somehow got snuck into the film or it was a happy accident because that looked really good really good um one thing was funny too the lead actress in this uh she had a a make out and a um 
a bath scene and a um, sex scene with uh, the girl that plays Jack's sister, and you could tell both the women did not want to kiss each other. They're like, and they were like supposed to go down on each other, and they're you could just see that their faces were so far away and shaking their head and doing fake simulation. That was just so stagey and funny. But then when they were with men, they were totally going at it. Um, yeah, a lot of every woman in this film is nude pretty much all the way through. Um, now going into the characters, um, the main person built here is this woman named Vicki Adams. And I think she's probably the most stunning like woman in this film. She's a really beautiful woman. Um, that was her acting name. And from what I've read about her and I'll talk a little bit more in the intro is, uh, supposedly like nobody knows what her real name is and like who she was and what, I guess this is like the only film that she's done. And then like, she didn't do anything else. Um, she's not a very good actress, but she's striking. Um, she has a definitely a presence about her. She's very uninhibited. She shows everything dances. She's, she's got a great energy to her, but she's very strong, but very vacant as well. So I think, I don't know. She just wasn't, probably a natural actress and I'd like to do a little research on her and, and see who she was and what she did. But, um, and then the woman that, um, actually I'll look up, use the real names on people here. Um, Oh yeah. So before we go into that, the version we watched was the, um, full moon features, uh, DVD, which I highly recommend. It was a good print. It looked good. Um, German made English dub, English dubbing's pretty funny cause, uh, I don't know. It wasn't very good on that. Um, uh, da, 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 da. so yeah um, Adia Taller is Susan and uh, she looked uh, she's very similar in feature to uh, Lena Romay um, Jess Franco's wife and that like I wonder if she was supposed to be in the film and if he just decided to cast a woman that looked just like her and acted just like her and just gave her a break. Or I'm, I'm curious why she decided not to do this. Um, also, Jess Franco is not in the film, which is odd. He just directed and did everything else, but he's not a, a screen actor in this. Um, so yeah, she she did really good. And and uh, I was remor- and you first see her uh, come in. She's wearing really tight white shorts. And uh, let's just say that yeah, you can see her camel toe from like 400 feet away. Um, but yeah, that was, that was pretty interesting on that. But, uh, so yeah, so she's really good. Um, uh, Vicki Taylor's really good. Um, Jack Taylor, of course, plays Jack Taylor has the worst lovemaking scenes ever, which is funny <laughs> to watch. Um, he's a good heel. Um, there's, uh, I gotta get the guy's name, but there's this really big fat guy that's in this, that's in slaves and he's in uh, virgin one living dead and many other Franco films, but he's in this. And uh, Jess Franco has him take his shirt off again, which is great because he always takes his shirt off in all the films that I've seen him in. Uh, and he's like 400 something pounds, 500 pounds. Um, but yeah, so all that's going on in this. Um, but yeah, I, I, I definitely. Uh, so yeah, this 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 full moon uh, one is really good. Um, my advice is get this on Full Moon's website because you'll get it a lot cheaper. Um, the ten films in this set I got for 60 bucks, but it goes for between 60 and 100 bucks max but Amazon sells each disc for like 40 bucks a piece so you get ripped off going through Amazon so yeah go through full moon's website um, fullmoondirect.com 
uh, yeah, it's a really good deal. So definitely get their shit. Um, but yeah, so uh, print's good. Copy's good. They have uh, a Franco interview on this, uh, audio interview, and then, of course, the same vintage VHS trailer reel with uh, Oasis of the Living Dead and Zombie Lake and Virgin Among Living Dead and a few other ones. Um, but, uh, yeah, so this is the second Franco film, and uh, we're kind of jumping around a little bit. Might go to some of the earlier stuff next, but uh, try to jump around, pull some good titles, and uh, get it going. So, uh, do you have any final words, Eric, that you'd like to say? Yeah, so far, like you've you've definitely shown me two completely different films um, from starting from the first one with the Dracula um, to this one. Um, yeah, but I definitely see his style. Um, there's different things you could pick up, but yeah, so far I'm really enjoying his work. You know. Um, yeah, because you see mind control in both films. So yeah. Far. Dracula, mind control of Lucy, and then Dread, the mind control of the women the, with the voodoo stuff. Yeah. Stuff. Yeah, yeah. So, you, yeah, you do see some commonalities, but you also... Uh, nah, what, interesting director. Right? Very interesting director. And he uh, he has very interesting looking and looking people in his films. And uh, s- locations are... Int- yeah, it's... I'm really, I'm really kind of excited about what's what's next. You know what I mean? Because these were like two opposite. Yeah, it's, and the people are very freedom and and uh, just unfiltered. They just everybody's free and which is great. You know. Yeah. Uninhibited. You know. Yeah. No. I, it's no. I'm really enjoying it. I'm really enjoying his work. All right. Well, this is uh, Jason Rudy along with Eric Whitwell signing off again, and thank you for listening to the Franco Observer. Um, check us out on the um, different places to listen to and uh, I'll give all the information at the top and bottom of the episode but right now we're on uh, six different places to listen to us on and uh, hope to have about an episode out every week or um, once every week and a half two weeks but yeah so if you keep listening we'll keep putting them out so once again good night and watch a Franco film beautiful nights alright